0: You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel.
1: You know, Jesus still poses that question to hard-hearted people of today. They might not be on the road to Damascus. Maybe they're on the road to alcoholism or addiction or divorce. Maybe they're on their road to selfishness or greed or atheism or rebellion. They're not on the road to Damascus, but they're on that road. And Jesus' voice still rings loud. Why are you fighting me?
0: Stop for a minute and take a look at the road you're on. Can you see where it leads? Is it a place that you want to go? Maybe it leads to broken relationships or a broken life. Maybe it leads to addiction. Pastor Dion tells us today that Jesus is still asking the same question that he asked Saul on the road to Damascus. He's asking you today, why are you fighting me? So why are you fighting Jesus? The road he's chosen for you leads to wholeness and life. It leads to a life filled with love. Stop fighting him today. Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of Acts chapter 9 with today's edition of The Simple Truth.
1: We're ready to get back into our series in the book of Acts. Now the book of Luke, which is a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell the story of Jesus' life and ministry. How he came, and what he did, and how he died for us, and resurrected from the dead, and arose to his Father. And the book of Acts, where we're in, tells the story about what happened after that. Everybody say, after that. After his ascension, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us, so we could be infilled with the power from on high, a heavenly power, so that we would be able to live a godly life in an ungodly world. And so the book of Acts tells us that and we are actually going through the storyline of how that took place and what took place. So are you ready? Let's pray. Father, we want to say thank you for your spirit, your word, and your presence here. They are always in concert, working to better us, to make us more like you. And so Father, we lay ourselves like clay on a potter's wheel and ask that you mold us and shape us into the men and women we need to be to reflect you and to give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Well, guys, after Jesus, actually a couple of months after Jesus resurrected from the dead, a star was born. And no, it wasn't Lady Gaga, it was this. Everybody say it out loud the what? The church. Say it again the what? The church. So after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, there was the, something that arose, a star was born, the church. See, before Jesus died, he promised that he would build a new family, a new movement, that he would build a church. Everybody said again, what? A church. And that he would build this church on the belief that he was the son of God, all right? So, then, before Jesus ascended, He commissioned His followers to proclaim the good news. That He is the Son of God, Messiah, and Savior. So listen, before Jesus ever died, He said, hey listen, I'm going to build a movement. I'm going to build a family on the very fact that I am, the on the belief that I'm the Son of God. And then, He did, when he after He ascended, What ended up happening is he told his disciples, or before he ascended, he said to his disciples, I want you to go and tell the good news that I am the Son of God. He said, everyone that believed and embraced the message about me would be saved and will be adopted into this new family and new movement called the church. Let's say that word again. What? The church. Well, the disciples, after Jesus ascended, they went out and they began to saturate. All of Jerusalem with the message that Jesus is the Son of God. And thousands of people believed and the church, the new family, the new movement began to grow. In fact, give your neighbor a fist bump and just say, that's awesome. So Jesus promised that he would build his church on the belief that he's the Son of God. Before He ascended, after He resurrected from the dead, and before He ascended, He told His disciples, go and tell everybody, I am the Son of God. They went out and saturated all of Jerusalem, and as they did, people were proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God and the church was growing. Well guys, at that point, a villain arose. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. At that point, a villain arose and started persecuting this church. The villain's name was, and everybody say it out loud, his name was what? Saul, Saul of Tarsus. Now Saul was a Jewish religious leader who felt it his duty to silence the message that Jesus was the Son of God. So on one hand, we have apostles that are carrying the message and people are believing that Jesus is the Son of God. And then on this side, we have a villain that says, I need to stop them from sharing that message that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, Saul, this villain, considered Christianity a heresy, a false doctrine, a cult, if you would. Saul's hatred towards Jesus and Christians was so great that he initiated a Christian genocide. He began imprisoning and murdering Christians. And everybody say, oh. it was painful. It was horrible. But that's what he's, he's going to rid all of Jerusalem of these Christians. Now, because of the persecution, Christians in Jerusalem started fleeing from Jerusalem, leaving their homes, their families, their careers, just so they could hold on to their faith in Jesus. Some left the city to hide in the mountains, the mountains of Samaria there in Israel. Some people hid, uh, you know, left Jerusalem and hid in the coastal plains. That's the area that's right next to the sea. We'll talk about them next week. And then some of them left the country of Israel entirely. They migrated to Damascus, Syria, out of state. Now Saul wasn't about to let those this cult escape out of state and give Jerusalem a black eye and a bad name. He was a religious leader, and if this cult got out of Jerusalem and over somewhere else, they would point their fingers at him, or at least at Jerusalem. So he wasn't about to let this cult grow or get out of Jerusalem. So here's what Saul did. Saul decided that he would uh, petition the Israel Supreme Court for permission to extradite those who fled to Damascus, those Christians and bring them back so they could stand trial and be judged and be put to death. The petition was granted, and like Dog the bounty hunter, Saul saddled up with a team of fugitive recovery specialists and headed for Damascus. Cocked, locked, and ready to rock is what they said. Now it was on the road to Damascus that the resurrected Jesus confronted Saul, appeared to him. And this was not the meek and mild Jesus that they had crucified months or years earlier. No, no, no. This was a strong and mighty Jesus wrapped in glorious light, resurrected from the dead. The hard, proud, I bow to no one, Saul, was on his face, asking Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? In fact, let's read the record. Chapter 9 and verse 3 of Acts. As Saul journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, everybody... Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So there it is. Jesus has appeared to Saul. Saul is, is basically frightened. And Jesus revealed himself to Saul. When Saul said, who are you, Lord? Jesus revealed himself. He said, I am Jesus. And he said, the one you are fighting. I'm Jesus, the one that you're fighting. But we realize that Jesus wasn't there to give Saul a beat down. Jesus was there to turn Saul around. Look at your neighbor and say, thank God for that. Jesus' question to Saul was probing. Why have you been fighting me? That was the question. Why have you been fighting me? You know, Jesus still poses that question to hard-hearted people of today. They might not be on the road to Damascus. Maybe they're on the road to alcoholism or addiction or divorce. Maybe they're on their road to selfishness or greed, or atheism, or rebellion. They're not on the road to Damascus, but they're on that road. And Jesus' voice still rings loud, Why are you fighting me? Why are you fighting me? Jesus is hoping that you or those folks who are hard-hearted will do what Saul did. Saul surrendered and confessed Jesus as, and everybody say the word, what? Lord. Say it again, what? Lord. In other words, Saul let go of his agenda. Let go of his kingdom. Let go of his politics. Let go of his religion. And he trusted Jesus as Savior. Lord. Everybody say it again, what? Lord. And when he did that, Saul's sins were forgiven. That's a good place to shout right there. Saul's sins were forgiven. Anger, hatred, deception, murder was gone. Everybody wave at it. What? It was gone. They were, his sins were separated from him as far as the east is from the west. Because the minute that we surrender our life to Christ, our failures, our sins, our crimes, they are taken out of the way. He separates them from us as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says He throws them into the depth of the sea never to be remembered Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18 says this. Read it with me. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as white as wool. Isn't that awesome, guys? That's what he does. God didn't give Saul just a new lease on life. God or Jesus gave Saul a new lease life. Everybody said out loud a what? A new life. And did you know that He promises the same for us? We might be on that road to, to wherever we're headed in the, you know, a hundred miles an hour down a dead-end road. We're on that road, but listen, Jesus is, will, will confront us and say, why are you fighting me? And if we will surrender our life, if we will surrender to Him, He will forgive all of our sins, our crimes, our failures. He will separate them from us. And He will give us a new life. Say it again, what? A new life. He does it for us. Look at this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You're familiar with it. Read it out loud. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. That is great news. And then there's another verse, Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19. Here's what God says, I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart Then they will truly be My people, and I will be their God. That's what He does. When we surrender, He gives us a brand new life. We get a brand new start, a new beginning, a new creature has been born. And that old stony heart, you know, that cabezudo, stubborn, hard, wicked, ugly, rude heart he transforms it into a heart of compassion and love and, and peace. No more warring on the inside. He promises that. That's a good place to say, Kawabunga, right, right? I mean, a new heart. What, kind, what, what is this new heart about? It's a new heart for God. A new heart of love. A new heart of compassion. A new heart of peace. Saul got a new heart, and he also got this. Everybody said, what? New sight. Say it again. What? New sight. So this is what God does. When we surrender, He saves. He not only gives us a new person, a new heart, but He also gives us, everybody said again, new sight. Let's read it starting, jump down to verse 17 there in Acts 9. And Ananias went his way and entered the house where Saul was, And laying his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Read it out loud with me, verse 18. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized." Saul got more than just a new heart. All of a sudden, he got new sight. You see, prior to the encounter with Jesus, Saul couldn't see the truth. He couldn't see that Jesus was the Son of God. Just couldn't see it. In fact, he was fighting it. He was blinded. Saul was blinded by his religion, by his legalism, by his prejudice, by his hatred. But once he surrendered to Jesus, the Lord removed the scales from his eyes. Now before we came to Jesus, like Saul, we were blind to the truth. In fact, the Apostle Paul explained it like this. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil... It is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ who is in the exact likeness of God. So that's the truth. Before we came to Christ, we are, are we were blind to the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the Savior. So if you've ever wondered why you took so long to see the truth, if you ever wondered why your unbelieving family and friends just can't get it, that's the reason. Satan blinds us with a lot of things. Materialism, pride, money, greed religion, self-righteousness. You know, I don't need help. He blinds us with that. I don't need help. Or maybe self-reliance. I can do it on my own. He blinds us with all of that. That's why we couldn't come to the truth. We couldn't recognize the truth. We couldn't grasp the truth. We were clueless, if you remember, we were clueless and oblivious to truth kind of like the husband who was attending a marriage group with his wife. The instructor said up in front, he said, it's essential that you know your spouse's likes and dislikes. For example, the instructor said, you husbands out there, what is your wife's favorite flower? One of the husbands leaned over to his wife and whispered, yours is Pillsbury, right? (laughs) Clueless! Everybody said what? Clueless! Before we were, became Christians, before we surrendered our life to Christ, we were just that clueless when we heard phrases like, born again. When we heard phrases like, you need to be saved. You need to be... You, we are redeemed. Those, the, you didn't comprehend it. You couldn't understand it. Christians had this lingo that was kind of weird. Our minds were blinded. But once we believe in Jesus, the scales fall off of our eyes. Suddenly our eyes and our minds are enlightened. And everybody say the word what? We say, aha, we get it. I see it. I understand it. I am a sinner by nature. I'm a sinner by choice. I'm a sinner by practice. And I'm destined to a Eternal destruction. But God sent His Son Jesus to die for me. And because of Him now I don't have to go through that eternal destruction. He died for me. Then all of a sudden we see it. And we understand the term saved means from eternal destruction. We understand what the word redeem means. That He bought us with the price of His own blood. Well, all of a sudden we say, aha! Everybody said, what? Aha! Look at your neighbor and say, aha! And then guys, as we hear and read God's Word, once we come become Christians before, I mean, there's a, maybe a Bible on the coffee table, a Bible on the shelf, Heck, maybe it's even on your nightstand and you tried to read it over and over again and it just was all Greek to you. But once you surrender your life to Christ, all of a sudden the blinders fall off and you begin to read it and it comes alive. The dots start to connect. We understand it and we want more and more of it, right? I want more and more of it. It becomes a staple that will nourish and grow us. God's Word, it becomes that. In fact, Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2. Read it with me. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Well, that's exactly what happened. When the blinders fell off of our eyes, all of a sudden the Gospel message The the sermons like these began to make sense. We began to understand exactly. We had our aha moments. We begin to understand and then we want more and more of it because it's the craving that's on the inside of that new life that is inside that has been born. It begins to crave God's word. It's the God's word that gives it nourishment. It gives it growth and gives it maturity. That's exactly what happened to Saul. I tell you, when the scales fell off of his eyes, he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the record in the book of Acts doesn't document this. But Saul spent some growing time with God in the desert of Arabia, in the Sinai Peninsula. So after this, after he is baptized with the Holy Spirit, Saul ends up spending some alone time, some growing time with God out in the Sinai Peninsula. Why does that name sound familiar, Sinai Peninsula? Well, that's the same place God, you know, that's the same place where Moses nursed on God's word, on God's law during the time of, of, of the Exodus. And now Saul was there nursing on the words of grace, not law, on the words of grace.
0: Simpler. Our time with you is coming to an end today on The Simple Truth, but we're so glad that you joined us for Pastor Dion's teaching in the Book of Acts. There's much more to learn from the life of the early church, so we hope you'll tune in again. If you're listening in the Española area right now, we would like to extend an invitation to you. Come join us for our weekly services at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Come by at 9 or 11 a.m. to spend time with us in worship, Bible study, and fellowship. We also meet on Wednesday evenings for a Bible study at 7 and Saturday evenings at 6.30. You'll find directions and more information about Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel when you visit tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, you can still join us virtually through Facebook Live. Just follow the link to our Facebook page at tmcalvary.com and tune in this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. While you're at our website, you'll also be able to access our archive of previous teachings on various books of the Bible by Pastor Dion. Just click on sermons at the top of the page to open our audio archive or visit our YouTube page to experience the service through video. Feel free to share these links with anyone in your life that you think might benefit from hearing the simple truth of God's Word. We're so glad that you joined us today on The Simple Truth. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Acts and discover more about the disciples and how the early church got started. Then join us next time for Pastor Dion's continuing verse-by-verse study right here on The Simple Truth. You're the one that we can claim. We'll be fools for you as you work in us May your power show in the deeds we sow Let us join our hands and together we stay